You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Podcast. Great to have you here in worship with us today. And welcome to all those joining us, Grace Online. Great to have you connecting in with us, wherever you would be, uh, in the community or around the world. Great to have you here at Grace Covenant with us this morning. Also, let me welcome those who may be here for the first time today. Uh, We're honored to have you as our guest. We would love to connect with you. Uh, The best way to make that happen is you can text the word uh, guest to 704-486-9664. Uh, and that'll help us connect with you. Beyond that, we would ask you, please stop by Guest Central before you head off the campus this morning. If you go straight out the back of the sanctuary, you'll come to a place called Guest Central. We have a gift for you there. We'd love to hear a bit of your story. So please stop by Guest Central before you head off the campus this morning. Well, there in your worship guide, there's all kinds of information about what's happening in the life of Grace Covenant. So Please check that out, places to serve and places to be served, discipleship opportunities. All of that is available. As we're coming into summer, kind of the big focus, the big emphasis as we come into summer is our camps for our children, our teens. Also tonight we have, for young adults, we have Pursuit at 6.30 here on the campus. So if you're if you fit into that young adult age demographic, I'd love, we'd love to have you come and be a part of Pursuit tonight. I want to pray over our word this morning and the offering. We have boxes in the back where you can give or you can always give online or through the website. Um, grateful for your ongoing faithfulness to honor God. It's that that supports the mission and the work of Grace Covenant. So thank you for honoring God with your tithe. Let's pray this morning. Lord, I thank you today for your love, your grace, your provision for us. God, thanks for Lord, just your good work in our lives and in this place. We honor you this morning. And Lord, we bring our tithe and offering today. Lord, we don't give because we have to, but we give because we, we desire to honor you as you've blessed us. So Lord, as we give, it's a, it's a statement of our trust in you this morning. And Lord, as we look to your word today, and I ask that you would help me effectively communicate your word, Holy Spirit, quicken my mind, my heart, Lord, for those who are here, those watching online, Lord, may they have ears that would be receptive, Lord, to what you would want to speak to them today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that that each individual would hear what they need to hear today, Lord, for the season of life that they're in. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, great to be back. My uh, family and I had an opportunity to do some traveling. We were in the Pocono Mountains. Beautiful, if you haven't been there. And then we uh, suffered even more and went to the mountains of Montana and hiked some through the mountains of Montana. Talking about beautiful country. But it's great to be back in North Carolina. Hang out with you here this morning. If you have your Bibles, look with me to Colossians chapter 2. That's where we're going to be this morning. Colossians chapter 2. We are concluding today this series that we've been over the past few weeks where we've been talking about God's kingdom. What does it look like to live as kingdom citizens? We've looked in the first part of this series, may your kingdom come. What does that look like? What does God's kingdom look like? And then the second part, may your will be done. What does it look like for us to live out um, this responsibility as kingdom citizens? As I've said throughout this series, we are uh, spiritual beings who are having a temporary physical experience. 
Amen? We never want to forget that. We're spiritual beings that's going to live on for eternity. The big question is, is where are you going to spend eternity? But we're going to, because we're spirit beings, we live on for eternity. We're having this temporary physical experience. And in this temporary physical experience, we are, uh, we're carrying what we call this dual citizenship, right? We're citizens of this nation. Nod your head if you're with me. But we're also citizens of heaven. If, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then what does that mean? It means that you are now a part of the work of God's kingdom that's been, a, that's been made available through the provision of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be those who are living out the kingdom. I'm convinced that a kingdom agenda based on God's word rather than a secular agenda based on man's word is the best way to make all of life work as their creator intended. But to live as kingdom citizens, we have to know what that looks like. What's expected of us as those who are kingdom citizens? See, God didn't save us just to get us to heaven, right? If that was his greatest plan, if his greatest plan was to save you to get you to heaven, what I'm convinced of is he would have saved you and zapped you before you had an opportunity to screw things up, right? He's left you here, and he's left you here for a purpose, and the purpose is that you might live out that of um, this whole responsibility of representing his kingdom. So as citizens of the king, we are representing his kingdom here on this earth. And what I'm confident of is like on Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, God wants to manifest his kingdom through your life. I think one of the greatest challenges today, this is, you don't have to believe what I believe, but it's my belief that one of the greatest challenges today for the church is, is we don't know what it means to be kingdom citizens. We don't, we don't fully under, understand what, what it means to live out kingdom power. To live out that of the fullness of God's plan and God's work in and for our lives. If you'll recall in Matthew chapter 6, And what we know as the Lord's Prayer, Jesus prayed these words, Father, may your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May your will be done. So not not your will, not my will, but may God's will be done on earth. So then we need to ask this question, well, what's God's will? If we are kingdom citizens, then what is God's will? What's God's will uh, as it relates to your life and my life as kingdom citizens? I think that's a great question that we should consistently ask. What is God's will? And the answer to that question obviously would be a lot of things, but this morning we want to focus in on uh, the concept of discipleship, of spiritual growth. What's God's will for your life? God's will for your life is this, is that you're consistently, continually growing in your faith life. That you are embracing a process of discipleship so that you're coming to know God in a greater way so that you can live God out in a greater way. Listen, it's, it's, it's almost impossible for us to, to live that which we don't know. Are you with me? In other words, if we don't know, then, then we don't fully take advantage of, we don't fully live out. So, so what's God's will for your life? God's will for your life is this, is that you would, that you would be consistently embracing an ongoing process of growth and development in your life. And God didn't save you just so you could stay the same. 
His plan for you is, is that you're growing up into, uh, growing up in your faith. Maybe you would remember, uh, or maybe even now you have something that looks like this image that they're going to throw up on the screen for us. How many of you had one of these in your home or presently have a growth chart in your home? I know when our kids were smaller, obviously at 18 and 20, we don't have the growth chart now. Um, but when they were smaller, uh, from time to time, they would come and, you know, they would stand against the wall and we would kind of mark and, and we would have the date. And, and so we would see the ongoing growth happening in their lives. Every, every, every couple of months when we would kind of do the measuring thing, you know, here, you know, maybe it's a, a half an inch or an inch, but there's, there's ongoing growth. There's a measuring of the growth. And if there was not growth, then what we would have said is, hey, there's a problem, Right? I mean, if you're measuring your children on a growth chart, if you still have kids in the home and they're not growing, then what we would say is we have a problem. We need to talk with the pediatrician. Why? Because we expect, we expect our children to grow, right? And it should be the same for us as Christ followers. And that there should be this ongoing process of, of spiritual growth and development, not just the gathering of facts and knowledge, and information, but there should be this ongoing process happening in our lives where we are coming to experience God in a greater way, and we're coming to experience that of His kingdom in our lives in a greater way, and that we're then living that out. So there's an expectation what, that we're, we're to grow up. If you were walking the halls of Grace Covenant this morning and you saw a man walking down the hall, say, in his 50s, and he was wearing a diaper and carrying a bottle with milk in it, you would say, man, there's something not right about that. Wouldn't you? You would say, man, that's weird. I I don't know about that. And if it was your first time here, you might think, I don't know if I want to go back. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know what we would say. That's that's odd. Why? Because we expect individuals to grow. We expect individuals to get potty trained, right? We expect individuals to move off of. We we expect uh, this this growth process. Babies going from the bottle to solid food, and so there should be then that ongoing growth process. In our lives. So as kingdom citizens, looking there to your notes this morning, as kingdom citizens, we should be in an ongoing process of spiritual growth and development. We must know who we are and have our lives firmly established on the truth of God's word. Listen, it's difficult, if not impossible, to live as kingdom citizens if we don't know how God's kingdom functions. Again, like how can we live what we don't know? And that's a part of this discipleship process. It's not possible for us to fully take advantage of all that's ours as kingdom citizens if we're not growing in our understanding of God's kingdom and how it functions. And it's not possible for us to fully experience God's kingdom at work in our lives if we're not growing in our relationship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know, I live, I live with a deep conviction. And here's my deep conviction. It's this, that God wants to do more in your life. As a kingdom citizen, listen, you haven't experienced all that God has for you. It's my belief that oftentimes we, we become the lid on the process of what God wants to do. But see, he wants to raise the lid. I live with this conviction that says God wants to do more in your life. Matter of fact, turn to your neighbor and say, hey, God wants to do more in your life. 
You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says this, Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered into the heart of man all that God desires to do, of what's yet to come for us. In other words, God wants to do more. And I believe the more is connected to us fully understanding who we are as citizens of the kingdom. What does it mean to be a, a child of the king? What does it mean for us to grow up into the fullness of all that God has for us? So, so what is discipleship? We use this word a lot in the church today, but let me give you maybe a working definition of discipleship. Discipleship in the kingdom is the process by which we bring all of life under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and the goal of discipleship is conformity to Jesus. So the goal of discipleship is becoming like Jesus. It's not just gathering facts and knowledge. How many of you know it's possible to know a lot about God yet not know God? It's possible to be really good at Bible trivia but have no relationship with God that's transforming who you are and how you live. So discipleship's not just about gathering information. Discipleship is about growing in your relationship with God. It's about becoming like Christ. So as kingdom citizens, we should be in this ongoing growth process. And the Apostle Paul writes of this in Colossians chapter 2, our text for the morning. Colossians chapter 2 beginning with verse 6. Listen to what Paul has to say. And as we read this, what I want you to catch is the, is the process, how, how, how Paul's kind of building. There's a continuation of what he's speaking of here in relation to discipleship. Beginning with verse 6. So then just as you've received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him, rooted and built up in Him, Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and Authority. So Paul here in these verses is addressing our discipleship process as kingdom citizens. So as we've received God's mercy and grace, we're saved. At that point, we've ha- we have our sins forgiven and we're brought into a relationship with God. That should be this. It should be an ever-developing, an ever-growing process. Kind of like marriage. How many of you know that there's, there's a, a courtship process that leads you up to an event called a wedding? And at that point, you think you know your mate quite well. But as you then move from the wedding into the marriage process, over, year, over, over the years, you come to know your mate in a greater way. What? There's a, there's a growing level of, of deeper intimacy as you're investing in the relationship. So the relationship is ever developing, or it should be ever developing. And it's the same in our relationship with the Father. And so Paul here is speaking of this, this continuation, this, this process. So salvation is significant, but hear me, salvation is just the starting point, right? Salvation is just the starting point. It's, it's the place that we receive God's grace. And notice how Paul then speaks of this ongoing process as to how um, 
we're uh, we're continuing to live in Christ. We're we're being strengthened. We're being built up in our faith. So so from Paul's words to the church at Colossae, what can we learn about discipleship and the kingdom? Let me give you three statements quickly this morning. And then I want to talk a little bit about. Um, how we can embrace this process of discipleship in our lives. What can we do to act on the very thing that we're talking about this morning? But three, three statements about discipleship. The first is this. Discipleship involves an ongoing process of intentional investment. So discipleship is not an event. It's a process. Are you with me? And it requires what? It requires work. It requires intentional investment. Again, looking back to verse 6 and 7, notice the process that, that the Apostle Paul identifies. He says, first you receive Christ as your Savior, then you choose to continue to live in Him, then you're rooted in Him, being that you've established yourself or you've anchored yourself to Christ, and then you're being built up and strengthened in the faith. So again, Paul here is speaking of this ongoing process. So no matter how long you've been saved... There should be this ongoing process. So if you've been saved for five years, there's ongoing process. For 10 years, for 15 years, like myself, 50 years. I mean, I know I don't look that old, but I've been walking with Jesus for 50 years. And there's been 50 years of ongoing process. From time to time, the process changes, and that I embrace different means of discipleship, different means of growth opportunities. Uh, but I've been in 50 years of process. Um, and whatever years the Lord has for me on this earth, I'll still be, what, in process. So discipleship is an ongoing process that requires intentional investment. It's kind of like uh, getting into shape. How many of you know you don't get into shape overnight? You don't get into shape until you what, get the clothes off of the treadmill. See, some of you thought the treadmill became a place to hang clothes, and it's really not. It's a piece of equipment to help you get into shape. You get the clothes off of the treadmill, and you get on the treadmill, and then there's a process. It's, it's not like, don't we all wish we could go to the gym for a week and, whoa, I'm in shape, Right? One of the things I've come to discover is I'm, as I'm getting older, how much more difficult it is to stay in shape. How much more difficult it is to lose weight. I mean, when I was in my 30s, I could drop 10 pounds in two weeks. Now I can't drop 10 pounds in six months. I don't know what the problem is. There's a, there's a changing in the, in the system. But my point is, just as we have to exercise, we have to embrace a process to become physically fit, so there's, it's the same for us spiritually. So discipleship requires, it involves an ongoing process of intentional investment. The author of the book of Hebrews wrote these words. He says, therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Hey, some of you have been hanging out in preschool for too long, if I can just be honest this morning. I don't want to offend you, but I do want to be truthful this morning. Some of you have been saved for 10, 15, 20 years, and you're still in elementary school. And the scripture would say this, you need to move on from the elementary teachings on towards spiritual maturity. With this, this, this process, it's not going to happen overnight. But this is what I know, is if you don't embrace the process, you're never going to get there. 
So you could be 20, 30, 40 years old in the faith, yet still be spiritually an infant. Why? Because you've not embraced the process. So the first thing we need to understand about discipleship, what's God's will? Your kingdom come, your will be done. God's will is is that you're growing up. God's will is that you're moving from spiritual infancy toward a place of maturity, embracing the fullness of all that God has for you. Hear me, friend, that's God's will for your life. But it's not going to just sneak up on you and surprise you. It's going to require some intention. It's going to require some work on your behalf. A second principle of discipleship that Paul reveals for us is that discipleship requires allegiance to God's kingdom over the principles of the world. A commitment to God's kingdom. Look back to uh, verse 8, Colossians 2 verse 8. It says, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. How many of you know there's a lot of deceptive philosophy happening right now in our culture, in our community? And no one would take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So from this verse, we discover that our first obligation as kingdom citizens is not to this world system that leaves God out. Our first obligation and allegiance is to the kingdom of God. Although we're living in this world, we're not, to, we're not to live as the world lives. But we're, we're called to be separate from. We're to live with a different focus, a different agenda, and a different purpose. Our allegiance is first to God's kingdom. So as citizens of God's kingdom, we set our lives to seek Him first. Here's a third principle of discipleship that we discover in Colossians chapter 2. It's this, discipleship will anchor us to God's truth so that we're not distracted or deceived by the philosophies of this world. Now in our world today, I think you would understand this, but let me just kind of paint this picture for you. In, in our world today, there's two kingdoms playing out. Okay, There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of light. There's the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the earth. There's the kingdom of, of God and there's the kingdom of the devil. Okay, so there's, there are these two kingdoms that are in contrast today. And as it relates to the kingdom of the world or the kingdom of Satan, there's deceptive philosophies that are being played out today. And here becomes the challenge. If you don't know God's word, and if you don't know who you are as a follower of Christ, and if you don't know who you are as a citizen of God's kingdom, then you become easy prey. Okay? You become easy prey to that which may sound good, that which may look good. Now, it's like when I go fishing, uh, I don't just throw out a bare hook to catch a fish. No, I pull something bright and shiny out of my tackle box to put on the line so that I can use something that looks good, that's deceptive to the fish. The fish thinks it's getting dinner when it's actually becoming dinner. Are you with me? I don't use a bear hook. No, I use something that looks really flashy and, and, and makes a little noise, has a little movement to it. I use something that looks good to, de- to deceive the fish that the fish might become dinner for me that evening. In the same way, there's philosophies playing out in our world that look good, that sound good. And if you don't, if, if you've not embraced a process of discipleship, 
then you've not anchored yourself to truth. So then what happens? You, you become gullible. You, you, you are easily deceived because, again, you, you've not embraced the process of, of discovering the truth of God's Word, of anchoring yourself to the truth of God's Word. So one of the benefits of discipleship, thinking of kingdom citizens, is it helps us discern what are the errant philosophies. What are the things that maybe sound good, sound right, but they're not in alignment with the truth of God's Word? I want to share with you three prevalent philosophies of our day that God's Word confronts. And it's it's these philosophies, um, I think, that are presently deceiving and misleading a lot of people, even people uh, that would be Christ followers. It's these philosophies that are keeping individuals from living as, as kingdom citizens. Um, two of the philosophies are there in your notes. I'm going to give you a third one. These are three prevalent philosophies, errant philosophies, at play today. Again, in conflict with the ways of the kingdom. But if we're not, if we're not anchored to the truth of God's word, then again, we're easily deceived. The, the first would be secular humanism that elevates self over God. This is a prevalent philosophy today. See, secular humanism believes that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without God. In other words, we can do just fine on our own. We don't need God. Like we can handle it, God. With this faulty belief system, basically man becomes their own God. And what we've seen down through history is that secular humanism only brings chaos and pain. It's the opposite of God's kingdom, and it's the opposite of God's kingdom, kingdom rule as revealed in the Word. But again, if you don't know the truth, you're easily misled. You're easily deceived. Here's a second errant philosophy. It's relativism that elevates man's opinion over God's truth. Man's opinion over God's truth. Relativism simply means that whatever you want to be true is true for you. In other words, there's no absolute truth. Humanity, I believe, is drawn to this deceptive philosophy because we get to determine what's right and what's wrong. In other words, I, I, get, to be, I get to be my own God. I, I get to be the one who determines what's truth. And the problem with this philosophy is that the world is not ours, it's God's. And as the king, he sets the rules for his kingdom. Never forget that. This world and all that's in it is God's. He's the king, and as the king, he sets the rules. Doesn't matter if you like the rules or not. He's the king. We are the subjects of his kingdom, and he sets the rules. So we don't get to determine what's truth or what's not true. No, there is absolute truth, but this errant philosophy of relativism says, whatever you want to be true is true for you. So we do away with all standard of what's right or or wrong. A third errant philosophy of our day is Christian nationalism that elevates allegiance to a nation over God. Now, Now, we're blessed to reside in the United States of America, and I'm certainly grateful for our nation, and I realize that I'm a citizen of this nation, as probably everyone in the room is. But our allegiance to God must have greater precedence and priority than our allegiance to a nation. Our allegiance to God must have greater precedence and priority of our, uh, over our allegiance to a political party. What, what God is the one that we set our hearts to seek. 
So if we're not careful in this whole concept of Christian nationalism, there's this elevation of allegiance to, um, to a nation uh, that misplaces, that misplaces um, the position that God desires to have in our lives. But today there's, there's prevalent philosophies, and I've only mentioned three here. If I had time this morning, I could give you a few more. But I think these are the three most prevalent philosophies. And again, here's the danger. If we're not careful, we can be misled and deceived by that which sounds good and sounds right, but it's not right. It's not true when you align it to the truth of God's Word. But again, if you've not anchored yourself to the truth of God's Word, if you've not embraced a process of discipleship to know who you are as a citizen of God's kingdom, then you become very gullible. Because you've not taken the time to discover truth and anchor yourself to the truth. So discipleship, the benefit of discipleship is that it can guard us from the errant, from the errant philosophies and the errant ways of the world. As Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, just as we've received Christ as Lord, we should continue to live in Him, to be rooted in Him, built up in Him, and strengthened in the faith just as you were taught. So what does this look like on a daily basis? What does it look like to embrace a process of discipleship, of ongoing spiritual growth on a daily basis? I want to leave you with four Four simple points of application. If you are not, if you're not presently embracing a process of discipleship, then I would challenge you today, listen, get off your seat and get moving. Refuse, refuse to stay in a place of being a spiritual infant in Christ. Embrace the responsibility. Listen, don't say, well, I just come on Sunday, pastor, spoon feed me. Listen, grow up. Get into God's Word. Discover who you are in Christ. Discover what it means to live as a kingdom citizen. How do you do that? By embracing a process of discipleship. So here's four points of action that can get you moving in that direction. The first is this. Passionately pursue Jesus. Make the pursuit of Jesus the priority of your life. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus said this, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things that will be given to you, but seek first. So I would say the first step toward discipleship, toward spiritual growth, spirit, of moving towards spiritual maturity is this. As you decide every day, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to passionately pursue Jesus in this day. I'm going to seek him first. He's going to be the first priority. He's going to have the first place in my life. Here's a second means of embracing the discipleship process. It's by engaging in spiritual disciplines. If spiritual disciplines is a new word for you, just think of, think of exercises. If you went to a gym, you would, you would engage in different exercise routines. You would move maybe from one weight machine to another weight machine that worked different muscles. Those are, are, uh, are physical exercises. Well, in the same way, spiritual disciplines are like spiritual exercises. What are we trying to do? We're trying to strengthen our spiritual muscles, right? 
So what, what are some of the different spiritual disciplines? It's things like reading the word, prayer, fasting, solitude, worship, journaling, or just a few. But these are, these are means through which you open the way for God to reveal his grace to you in a greater way. These are means that the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life. But you're embracing the means that brings about an encounter that transforms your life. Spiritual disciplines. Now, every morning, even this morning, I was up and I was doing my disciplines. I was in the Word. I was worshiping. I was spending some time in prayer. But those are—that's a part of my routine. That's a part of my spiritual disciplines and my ongoing process of spiritual growth. So, to engage in the spiritual disciplines, here's a third means of. This discipleship process is to maintain a spirit of humility and be a lifelong learner. Listen, no matter how young you are or how old you are, you're never too old to stop learning. Stay green. Be a learner. Have that position of humility where you're always learning and you're always growing. A final action critical in the discipleship process is, is to be a participant in healthy community. Find a group where you have other people who can speak into your life, where you can encourage others and others can encourage you. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. One woman sharpens another. Every Thursday morning at 6 o'clock, I'm a part of a men's group. And it happens every Thursday morning as I'm sitting around a table with a group of men discussing God's Word, discussing challenges of life, discussing places of difficulty. It happens every Thursday morning. I'm encouraged in my faith life. Other men are adding value to my life simply as I'm engaging in a process of community. What well, it's, it's spiritual growth. Other individuals are helping me in my process of becoming more like Christ. So if you don't have that, you need that. Be a participant in healthy community. Again, where God can speak to your life through, uh, through other individuals. So the Holy Spirit can speak through other individuals to you. And what I've come to know is that discipleship and the process of becoming like Jesus never just happens. It doesn't happen simply because we go to church once a week. Listen, I'm glad you're here this morning. It would be really tough if I just had to preach to nobody. So I'm glad you're here. But hear me, going to church once a week is not sufficient for what God wants to do in your life. I encourage you, what's God's will? God's will is that you grow up. God's will is that you come to fully embrace all that he has for you. It's this process of discipleship. Just as you receive Christ as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to embrace that process. Why? Because God has more that he wants to bring to your life and through your life. As a kingdom citizen, you're here representing God's kingdom, right? God wants to bring his kingdom in a greater way in your life and through your life. So we need to position ourselves for that. Amen. Lord, I thank you today for the truth of your word. I thank you today for the, 
the counsel of your spirit and the guidance of your spirit. And Lord, I pray today not only for myself, but for all of my friends here today. God, what I know is we're all in process. For some, they're just starting the race. They've just come to know Christ as Savior and they're just beginning. For some, Lord, we've been in the race for a while. Oh, Lord, I pray today, Lord, for everyone in the room that we would understand the significance, the importance, the value of embracing an ongoing process of growth. God, that your will for our lives is that we would continue to grow in our faith, that we continue to embrace a process of becoming more like Christ. So Lord, I pray this morning for every individual today that they would embrace that process. Lord, whatever it would be. Lord, I know it's different for all of us. Lord, there's not like one, one um, way that's the only right way. Lord, my prayer today is that for every individual as they leave this place that they would understand the significance and the value of embracing a discipleship process. And in that, Lord, that they would grow to become all that you've called and created them to be. Holy Spirit, help us to take this of your word and live it out, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.